0: there are other ways to connect your phone to your vehicle speakers too. You can see detailed instructions when you Google ways to listen to vision. However and wherever you listen to vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. RealFaith.org.au
1: I thought by myself when I get married, I want a, a, a Christian school to uh, educate my children and a lot of our friends thought the same and we started to make that a, a, a project which of course was not all that easy because we were all poor people starting with nothing. But the, the comical thing was that uh, I only had primary education so wasn't trained in anything.
0: Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life, and real faith with Eric
2: Scatterbo. Keith Greenwood emigrated to Australia from Holland in 1950 when he was only 14 years old. And since that time, he has followed what he was taught in Sunday school class, that every part of life is for serving God. Today, Keith will share how that has outworked in his life, both here in Australia and in India. Keith Greenwood, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. And let's go back to your early years growing up in Holland. What was that like during the war?
1: During the wartime, yeah. Well, until uh, 1945 when the war ended. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my early years, I was brought up in, in Holland during the war. Mm-hmm. Although we were one of the more blessed ones, we've never really had any anything major happen to our family or close family. But uh being brought up in a wartime is not is not easy. Mm-hmm. and uh so we had to fight if you like, to keep life going and to meet the needs of of a family. Uh so Wartime was not not the ideal situation mm-hmm. to being brought up as a as a young person. So when the war ended, that was certainly one of one of the great joys in our life when we were finally free. Mm-hmm. But uh, the economy was shot in Holland, and my father had six children, and. Uh, He did not think that Holland was the the right place to bring up his family, and uh, he decided to uh, migrate to Australia. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we were 13, 14 years old, we migrated by ship to Australia Mm -hmm. and started life again with uh, with the family of six, Start from scratch, which was also a lot of tension in our lives to, to make things meet and to get started and to learn a language.
2: Yeah, so you didn't know any English at that time? No,
1: point. I didn't know any English. Father, mother, that's about all I, wow. I knew. Yeah. And I was uh, just about finished primary school. I finished primary school the first year I was there. Mm-hmm. And I did some uh, work on one of the farms here in Sylvan. And uh, I started to love growing things. So when I was 14, I stopped school, primary school, and uh, started working on one of the farms Mm -hmm. and helped the family financially and uh, fell in love growing flowers and fruit until later in life, about 18, when I started some concreting work somewhere. Mm-hmm. And worked for myself in partnership with a few other people. Uh, we worked on a farm.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go back to your childhood. You were taught in church that everything was for serving God. Is that right?
1: That's correct. That's one of the emphasis which was made very clear in my upbringing, yes.
2: And when did you become a Christian?
1: Well, I can't remember not being a Christian.
2: Mm. So you always had faith?
1: Always had faith. Mm -hmm. And I remember even during the war times, I must have been about six, when we would have a bombing raid and uh, the sirens would always go, which meant that all the people needed to get off the streets inside. Mm -hmm. That I was on the other side of, uh, of the city, too far from home, and me and a small friend of mine, and we didn't know what to do, so we knelt on the on the marketplace and asked God to help us in this situation. Mm. And uh, as soon as we said "Amen," my grandfather walked around the corner, and that was just a, a common thing, you know, go to God with our needs and, mm. and see Him answer. Yeah, but of course, it became more real as as I grew up, but. I can never remember a time where I would doubt that God was there and that we belonged to Him.
2: Mm-hmm. And then when you came to Australia, naturally one of the things that the Dutch community wanted to do was start a church. Is that right?
1: That's correct. You know, we were sort of indoctrinated a little bit in the in the type of church we were brought up in, and mm-hmm. we felt that was one of the things we were missing. So we our parents decided that we should start a Reformed church in Australia, mm-hmm. which wasn't all that difficult because uh, in, in those days many, many Dutch families came in our area, and uh, it wasn't all that long before we had a few hundred people wanting similar things.
2: So, you weren't alone being a Dutch family in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne?
1: We were, we were one of the early ones. Mm-hmm. But uh, every few months, you would see another family coming, mm-hmm. because there were many people in the same situation we were in, in Holland, mm-hmm. scattered through wartime, and no work, and no future.
2: Mm-hmm. So you helped to start a Dutch Reformed church in the Mount Evelyn area? Yes,
1: yes, correct.
2: And then also, you helped start a school?
1: Yeah, uh, after a after little time. mm mm-hmm. We were here, the school problem started to arise, and I thought by myself too but uh, when I get married, I want a, a Christian school to uh, educate my children. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our friends thought the same. And we started to make that a, a project, started to get people interested in it and start to contribute to it which, of course, was not all that easy because we were all poor people starting with nothing. Mm, yeah, But still, we started, and slowly on, we raised enough funds to put down a deposit for, for a block of land in Mount Evelyn.
2: Mm-hmm. And that was back in the 1970s, and I'm very thankful that you and your friends did that, starting Mount Evelyn Christian School. Yes. Because that's where my children went to when we came yeah, to yeah, Australia, yeah. and later I was on the board... Of the school when it had its 40th anniversary, and I got to see all the pictures of you and your friends starting the school, starting construction, and everything. So it's quite a wonderful heritage that yeah. you have there, and it's still going strong to this day.
1: But the the comical thing was that we uh, only had well, I only had primary education, so wasn't trained in anything, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, just finding your way with something you haven't weren't trained in. Wow. You saw the the, the importance of it, and you wanted to see it happen.
2: Yeah, so here you didn't have a full 12 years of education, but yet you helped start a school, and two of your sons became educators.
1: Yeah, both my sons are uh, principals of Christian schools, yeah.
2: Wow. So uh, you started something beyond what you could do, and it's blossomed into something very beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's been one of the wonderful, fruitful ministries that uh, that grew out of that.
2: Amen. Now getting back to your life story. Yes. After being involved in helping to start a church and then a school, you wanted to marry a Christian young lady.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Well, in, in those days, uh, being brought up in a, in a fairly rigid Christian environment, I wanted to make sure that uh, I would find a, a, a Christian girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a stranger in this country wasn't a very uh, easy place to to find such a girl. Mm. And uh, when a new a new family from Holland would come in, all boys my age, we uh, we kept an eye on whether there were any girls in those families. <laughs> which which happened in my case when a family came which had five girls in the family and. Uh, When I went there to just meet that family and say hello, Mm -hmm. I met Helen, Mm -hmm. and uh, we just fell in love, and uh, a couple of years later, got married at the age of 21, Mm -hmm. and uh, we've been married over 60 years now.
2: Over 60 years.
1: And God gave us three wonderful children. Mm -hmm. The third was a girl, Mm -hmm. and uh, she married a farmer in Gippsland. Later on, they moved to Broome, and uh, they bought a property with some bed and breakfast units Mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. And the tragic thing was that he died early this year with an Mm -hmm. accident.
2: I'm sorry to hear that. Our guest today is Keith Greenwood, who emigrated to Australia from Holland in 1950, when he was only 14 years old. He's sharing the remarkable story of how a farmer with only a primary school education was able to help start several ministries that have impacted thousands of people's lives both here in Australia and in India. We'll hear more of Keith's remarkable story when we return right here on Real
0: Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadabo, and today my guest is Keith Greenwood, who emigrated to Australia from Holland in 1950 when he was only 14 years old. As we heard before the break, Keith eventually became a farmer, and he, along with several other members of the Dutch immigrant community, helped to start a Christian school, much like the ones from their home country. Next, we're going to find out more about Keith's life journey and about the ministry he helped to start in India. And so you were brought up in the Dutch reform tradition yeah but later you went to a Pentecostal church how did that come about
1: well basically because my two eldest sisters got involved and uh, although at that time I was I was very opposed to Pentecostalism as such mm-hmm. but it changed their lives and we were reminded by them that there was a lot more in in living with God, and a lot more reality in the work of the Holy Spirit. That about oh, 15 years after that, we started to get very hungry, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, slowly only uh, we moved out of the Reformed Church and joined a few of the centres in uh, Ringwood, and uh, started to understand life in the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to a greater dimension than what we had experienced. By that time, we joined a small church in Mount Evelyn, the Mount Evelyn Church of Christ. Although it was only a very small church when we started, my brother Denny and myself, or Denny a a couple of years before me actually, joined the Church of Christ. And when we joined, there was only about 30 members there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, the church grew so rapidly that uh, every, every year it grew by about 100 people until we hit about 500. And uh, finally, uh, Alan Meyer joined us as a, as, as a senior pastor.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we should say that Alan Meyer, along with his wife Helen, are the starters of the Life Keys, Care Life Keys ministry that is nationwide. Uh, He is probably best known for the Valiant Man series that he originated and is nationwide as well. So he's a very popular Christian speaker throughout Australia.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
2: And so that church has been tremendously successful. Now it's known as Discovery Church in Mount Evelyn. And then finally, in the 80s, you went on a mission trip to India that really changed your life.
1: In my case, yeah, there was. A, I heard of a, an organisation in uh, in Queensland that were taking teams to uh, India, and I thought that would be a, a wonderful challenge for me to be part of, and uh, we joined one of those teams very early early 80s. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I've never never been to any other country other than where I come from. Mm-hmm and certainly not an underdeveloped country like India. Mm -hmm. And uh, seeing that most of India, apart from the big cities, were people that were very, very poor and find it very difficult to live. In most of the villages we visited, there was no churches there, and uh, the gospel just hadn't reached them. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really, really stirred my heart was that when we just shared the simple gospel with them that they responded and that uh, every time we went to India maybe a thousand or sometimes two thousand people would make a public stand that they wanted to serve God and uh, all of a sudden I started to realize that as Christians one of the main commands of Jesus to to preach the gospel and make disciples was just not being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And that we as, uh, we as Christians, we've got a huge job outside our country as well as being witnesses in in Australia. But to go to places where the gospel had not yet been became very important to me. And God really touched my heart in such a way that we needed to see what we could do.
2: Mm-hmm. And so that's when you started the ministry to india
1: yes i i came across one indian teacher who uh who usually came with us when we went on ministry teams and he had the same hunger and the same heart as we had and uh, so we decided together that we would start a a training center for pastors mm-hmm try to find people that wanted to be full-time pastors and we would train them a year and then we would look after them for a few years financially mm-hmm. and they would go to villages where there were no churches and, and start building churches in those places.
2: And did that ministry grow?
1: It grew tremendously. We trained the first year only about 10, 10 young, young men and the second year 20. And the year after that, 30, and so we grew. We had 140 in that training center at one stage. And uh, it was during that time where I started to meet Christians in other states that were also busy in reaching villages there. And we felt that we could do a lot more than in one state with one school. Mm -hmm. So we finished up in seven states where we where we uh, appointed seven directors and in each state we would have a training school and uh, over the years we we trained a couple of thousand or more we have trained during that time. Wow. And uh, all of them would have started one or more churches somewhere and uh, according to the funds we, we could get together we continued to train more and uh, support more. So a big job here at home, apart from building my own business to live live through, we uh, we went to many churches here and encouraged them to become part of this ministry. Yeah. And especially uh, in in country places. And uh, towards the end, we raised almost a couple of million dollars a year. Wow to support these pastors as long as we can and to train more. And we started uh, looking after needs like there's so many orphans up there. And mm-hmm. my wife got a very strong longing to be of some help to these needy children. And we started, uh, oh, I think about 25 children in our homes wow. during that time.
3: Wow.
2: So once again, you're a part of a fantastic, fruitful ministry.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was just amazing how, mm-hmm. how wonderful God opened doors and produced so much fruit mm-hmm. through simple people doing something which they weren't trained in, Yeah, but still felt, you know, through God's Word that this was one, one of the Christians' uh, purposes in in this time.
2: Yeah, so you were following what you were taught in Sunday school class way back in Holland
1: that's right,
2: and finally, could you give us an update on how you're doing today? How is your health
1: today my health well i I've developed a few problems um, i'm I'm on dialysis, my kidneys gave up mm. in the last uh eight years i've been on on dialysis, which made it very difficult for me to go to india mm. uh, I did for a few years but uh I finished up with a bad infection up there one day, and I just barely got home, Mm. and I was, of course, already reaching, close reaching the 70s at that time, Mm -hmm. where we thought that uh, I really should hand over the reins and uh, be appointed another director Mm -hmm. to run the place, Mm -hmm. but even today, I still every day talk to many of the pastors through through, uh, Facebook and messenger yep and uh it's wonderful to see that uh the pastors in india continue to grow and i've they've, they've formed some relationship with one another mm-hmm. and help each other in uh, the work they do and it's wonderful that even today you, you know new churches are being planted there mm-hmm. even the last three years there's a few individuals. We've, we've still trained 300 people in India.
2: Wow. And finally, how can we pray for you?
1: How you can pray for us? Oh, well, that God will still give us some some fruitful years to serve Him, and especially health, of course, that mm-hmm. uh, when, when your kidneys stop working, then, uh, well, I'm still praying for new kidneys, mm-hmm. and I'm still... Encouraging pastors in India And it's still In my heart that If I can get enough people To help me to pick a few pastors In India to continue To keep training
2: Well thank you so much Keith Greenwood for sharing Your life journey with us it's great to hear That you still have that passion to serve the Lord Even after all these years
1: Well if I could start again I would do The same thing It it? sounds like you would yeah (laughs) It's a wonderful challenge Mm -hmm. And wonderful opportunities in countries like india Mm -hmm. and i'm sure there are many underdeveloped countries other than india that are in the same situation that need encouragement from us Mm -hmm. who financially are able to help them a little Mm -hmm. well
2: god bless you keith greenwood and thank you so much for sharing with us today
1: you're most welcome eric god bless you
2: Our guest today has been Keith Greenwood, who's originally from Holland. As we heard, Keith and his family emigrated to Australia when he was only 14 years old, and he eventually became a farmer with over 2,000 fruit trees. It's remarkable to think that Keith's family basically had nothing when they arrived, and he only had a primary school education, but... He then went on to help start educational institutions that continue to this day. Not to mention that his two sons both became principals at Christian primary schools. Keith's life reminds me of the Bible verse that says, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Keith Greenwood's Inspiring Story. I'm Eric Scadabo and until next time, so long, and God bless.
0: You've been listening to Real Faith, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life, and real faith. Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.